Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality, and we're so glad you're here. This is a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we greatly appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Be sure and like, share, and subscribe to any of the social media content platforms that you're using. And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. We're glad you joined us. We are excited to interview Q Wright today. Yes. Q is a, a artist, MC, DJ host, scholar, and uh, I'm excited to have this opportunity to interview Q. He is up in Connecticut right now. Yes. And kind of missed the huge freeze that went through the <laughs> the land of America here these last <laughs> few days, evidently, but uh, we're a little colder in KC than you are in Connecticut right now, I think. Yeah, never would have imagined, but here we are. Yeah. So Matt Cox is my producer, and I think you and Matt met, what, in in Lawrence at some point in time ago? Is that right? At some no. years. Go. No, so the first time the first time Q and I met was at the Blind Covers filming in Northcott. I was oh. just say that in Kansas yeah. City. Yeah. yeah. Blind yeah. Covers. Yeah, so we've interviewed a few of the people that that Matt did on Blind Covers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. That was a fun time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That that was a fun project. I, I really enjoyed those. That was yeah. That's when yes. I knew I was a versatile artist at that point. I was like, okay, yeah, I could do this. <laughs> it's like freestyling. Yeah. Yeah. In a different format. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, cool. Well, so let's, let's jump into your story a little bit. Where were you born? You know, tell us a little bit about your growing up years, kind of yeah. what were your parents, family, like, you know, your influences early on in life. Uh, um, so I'm from Chicago, uh, Illinois. Um, it's actually born in Oak park, if that's serious to anybody, but that's mm. across the border, um, grew up in the city. Uh, my parents divorced when I was in like third, fourth grade, second, I don't remember somewhere around that time. Um, but they co-parented really well. They would probably say so when they were younger, totally different. But my perspective was um, they did a really good job still. You know, my dad came around a lot, still took us to school. Um, so he helped my mom a lot. She worked full time. Um, was also lived with my grandma. So she lived with us. So she plays a big influence in a lot of my music, like a lot of the stuff that I do say, um, things like that. So growing up in Chicago was pretty cool. Um, big Bulls fan. Mm -hmm. um, Big Bears fan, but I am a Patriots fan, so I am glad to be on the East Coast. Also a Chiefs fan, though. So, like, yeah, just yeah, you're playing the Chiefs often out here, so it's pretty sad. But um, <laughs> grew up in Chicago. Is your mom still in Chicago? Uh, she okay, so she moved to Iowa. Okay, like, when I went to college, she moved to Iowa. Okay, so she's in Iowa now. My dad's still in Chicago, and so when I go home. Uh -huh. Go to Chicago, and then I take that hour and a half drive to Iowa, go visit my mom, and then so it's like a whole little thing. Um, Any siblings? 
Yes. Yes. So uh, both of my parents are remarried. Um, and so I have tons of step siblings. I do have a brother. So brother older, or younger, younger. Okay. Younger brother. I'm the oldest. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, the oldest um, younger brother, he's down in Dallas, Texas. Um, now he played football in college. He went to Grandview in Iowa, played football into like the little sports guy. He's a little workout guy. My, hmm. best My little broke best friend, I would say. <laughs> Dallas. Uh, uh, we're really close. We both grew up in a church, like I said. So we uh, grew up in church. I grew up Baptist. Um, Black Baptist. Black Baptist. I was in a choir. Uh, Black Baptist Church every Sunday, Sunday school. Like, was this? So let me ask you this because I'm I'm pretty networked with the African American church community in Kansas City. Okay. So some of the some of the Black churches are very much kind of more liberal, social gospel, kind of in the political side of things, and then like like one of there's a church called Macedonia Baptist church, which is one of the largest churches in Kansas city. And it's, it's more conservative, like, uh, you know, no women preachers, um, you know, the, the LGBTQ issue wouldn't be like, you know, they they wouldn't be affirming and, and, you know, so which kind of Baptist were you growing up? Uh, my family's definitely, uh, was growing up on the right side, like the conservative side, right? Okay. That Baptist church was no women in pants, um, that I can remember. I think they've made a lot of shifts and changes now. I haven't been back to the church. I'm one of the ones that you said grew up in a church and then haven't really been back. uh, Mm -hmm. So I'm one of those. So I can't really speak on what they do now, but when I was there. There was women, no women in pants. There were only men pastors for sure. Um, you couldn't dare. Pro- I probably would have. There are, Now that I look back, I'm like, there were so many queer folks in our church. Oh, my gosh. But they wouldn't have said it. Like, even one of the choir director, he, what? Like, what? Yeah. yeah. Not at all. Like, you know. Um, but you so didn't talk. About, nobody talked about it. Nobody talked about it. But I right. think it was welcoming in a sense that everybody knew they just didn't say anything. And yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Showed up and they were there for church and church and only in the word, get the things from the pastor. Right. So traditional in the sense that, you know, church ran over an hour all the time. It was like, Oh, we're going to yeah. be here someday. This is going to, this is the day, you know? Yeah. And so I we did that and I ended so up. So you sang in the choir. Yeah. I did sing in the choir. So you start, you cut your chops musical chops in church kind of thing church yes i was yeah. uh, singing it out uh i remember my first little solo i was so nervous uh <laughs> <laughs> but yes i was singing that's uh, that's the thing about the church is you know as much as it's kind of you know hurt some people along the way yeah so many people got their musical start in the church it's crazy you know it's a, it's a lot of our first stages and like, uh, I'm a big fan, uh, me and Silky, that's who Matt and I worked with our, one of our last projects, uh, with drag star Silky Nutmeg Ganache, who also grew up in the church. And so we talk about that a lot, you know, and like, uh, growing up so queer in the church and like, um, looking back now and we're like, yo, <laughs> yeah, pastors now are like, they love us, you know, and they know, you know, and so, but it's, it's still, it still was an experience. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. I have a friend who leads this, this, the largest African-American church in Kansas city is a Baptist black Baptist church. And the, the lady that leads the choir is a friend of mine. And she's, she's like maybe 40, early forties. And two of her kids are in the LGBTQ community, you know, and she loves the heck out of them, but you know, she doesn't know how to make that work with her church's theology, you know, that kind of thing. It's really interesting. Oh, and, yeah. and I just want all of them to know it has nothing to do with them or God. And once they know that and figure that out, then they'll be good to go. But, yeah. 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 So, so you, so for people who are listening, who don't know why we're, why we're mentioning these things, um, at some point in your life, you, you were, you were born female. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you, in the last, uh, four or five years, since maybe 2019 four, since 2019. Yeah. 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 Transitioned. Shameless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so growing up in this black Baptist church, like, did, tell us like when, like, give us a little clue, give us straight white people a little clue. What is that like to grow up in a black Baptist church? And at some point in your personal identity, you start wrestling with your sexual identity. How does that, how did that emerge? And how did that play out for you? What age did you start thinking about that stuff? That's since I was young, like, you know, um, uh... I didn't talk about it often though. It was like, you keep quiet, you hear everything around you and you're like, mm. it wasn't until, so um, I had the opportunity to go to boarding school uh, in high school. So I went to a college prep boarding school in Indiana. And we also had to practice some sort of religion when we went there. They didn't have Baptists at the time. So I switched to Protestant services, which was as close to Christianity that they had outside of, no, that's all they had at first. Okay. Um, and that's where all the black people went. We went to Protestant services. We formed our gospel choir there. And then we just, we had our community. Um, and that was the first experience within religion that I was coming out in this high school, right? And so I get here in this space, this place, and I'm like, there are other people like me here. Oh, okay. Let me kind of come out and figure out what this is about. So I remember reaching out to my mom. She was not so happy in the beginning. Um, I would say more or less confused. I wasn't also very honest. I didn't know how to be honest about it. I'm like, I heard so many people talking so much mess. You know, I, I'm just trying to maneuver mm -hmm. conversation. Um, and so the first thing she mentions is, we're going to go talk to pastor about this. You know, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, like, ugh, I do not want to go home for the holidays. Cause at the time I was still coming home from high school and we would still go to church. We were still going mm -hmm. to church. Um, and so I was like dreading this moment to come home, got home. Uh, we went, to we went to church. I guess they had a conversation. We always went to pastor's house after, um, even though my mom married and he became my grandfather, I just always still call him pastor. That's just been the mm -hmm. thing. Um, and so we went to his house afterward and then we got people, we all went into the bedroom afterward and my mom was trying to like, you know, He's coming out. He's this, you know, what the heck is going on? And the pastor, that was the moment where I got so, I think I was able to take a difference between the church, God, like I was able to like 
dis- dissect it all. And he was just like, you know, we may not be everything everybody want us to be, but I don't think that he would choose this path if it wasn't true or if it was like this. Um, I wholeheartedly accept him. And that was the first time I heard pastor ever say anything like that. Huh? Um, well, that's good. Right. It was really, yeah. and my mom was like, what the, you know, <laughs> it was kind of like, you're supposed to be on my side, you know? Yeah. And the pastor was like, I preach this word and like, this is, but I, you know, and it was just one of those moments where I was like, okay, so if everybody in the church is not feeling me, I could still have faith. I could still be very spiritual. I could still believe what I need to believe, but I don't need to surround myself maybe around folks who have all of these like opinions, all of this. And I'm like, hey, let's not even get on your lifestyle or like those things, you know, or like anything hmm. in that nature. And so um, hmm. that was one of the experiences that I think a lot of people cannot say they have in the Baptist right. church. Right. Up in the church, but the pastor really came through. Pastor was like, huh. you know, that's good news. I'm actually, glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, actually, that doesn't not, not make sense for me. And so, yeah. Um, so yeah. I was affirmed uh, as a young church goer, as a young Baptist kid, at least hmm. for my pastor. I wouldn't say now his wife felt totally different, you know. Okay. Uh, lady was nose up, you know, she was a little different about things, but. Hmm. Uh, Hmm. Yeah. So that was in high school then. Like you were like 16, yeah. 17, eight, somewhere in there. Or like 13, 14. Like I, was, okay. I came home. That was my first semester freshman year of college. Okay. Coming in. Like, and were you were college you, high school? What were you thinking? Like, were you thinking that you were gay? Were you thinking that you were attracted to women? Were you just thinking I that you identified to, more with a, as a man? Yeah, I knew I was okay. attracted. Men. I had no idea what trans meant. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. I had no idea what that was. I, and so I knew I really loved what I was like, okay, I don't like men. Like, they're cool, like my friends, but I'm not really attracted to, I don't get any, mm-hmm. I don't feel the same things my friends talk about when they talk about these men around here. On this, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, and then there was another part of me that also was like, I felt really weird going into women's restrooms. I felt really weird in the women's locker room. And I remember communicating that with my basketball coach when I went to high school and he will open up the visitor's locker room. And I was just like, I just don't feel comfortable. I just want to, you know, be by myself. And I'm like, that's because I know I'm attracted to women. I like women. I don't want to be in occupied spaces with them at the same time. So I want to be separated. And mm. so I've always felt that internally. And I, don't think a lot of trans folks can name that. Right. Mm. Think about that in that moment when they're like, yeah. this is why I'm feeling actually feeling different in the women's restaurant. Mm-hmm. I don't belong in here. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't. And so that's what, what mm. they mean. Like, yeah. Yeah. One of my close friends is a trans woman and, and she went to my church in the nineties as a man married with kids yeah. And then like probably she's now probably in her late forties and started transitioning six years ago. If you can imagine doing that as a white man in your forties with two young boys that were in their twenties, you know, so like, holy crud, you know, and it's yes. been, but she has been uh, one of my really close friends over the last three years, all that I've gone through. And, uh, 
and as we're actually training at doing getting a master's at KU right now oh, yeah. to help work with uh, trans kids and LGBTQ, all that kind of stuff, you know? So at any rate, uh, but yeah, so, so interesting. Yes. Uh, these journeys that life takes us on, isn't it? Yes. You know, a, I never would have known. I knew, and like I tell folks all the time, I always knew I just didn't have the words, didn't have the education, didn't have the knowledge or the community to help me at mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. So you go, you graduate from the prep school and high school and head to KU. Is that right? Yes. So went to KU, uh, go to Kansas. Was there for my undergrad and grad. Um, so I was there for a little bit. What, what were your degrees? I uh, did journalism, STRATCOM, African-American studies in my undergrad, and then uh, higher education administration in grad school. So Very cool. College yeah. forever. What, what year did you graduate with your master's? Uh, 2017. Okay. Have you worked in that field? Any of those? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so right after. Um, so in grad school, my first and second years, I was a graduate assistant in the office of admissions. And so that was my bread and butter. I wanted to do access, especially for students of color. I wanted to get them into colleges and try to figure out somewhere where they could go when they left high school. Um, and so that was my big push. So I stayed in the admissions office at post-grad. Um, and I work specifically with the student ambassador program uh, and multicultural recruitment. Um, I did that for two years. And then I went to the career center and I started doing social media. I worked as their social media marketing guru person for like another year and a half, two years. Um, and then last September, I quit higher education, quit KU, went on tour. And it's like, now I want to figure out my life as a musician. So it was a big switch. Yeah, definitely. So you, you've been doing full-time musician since September? Last year, yes. Um, yeah, so you're a little over a year. Like social media, marketing with nonprofits. And okay. Yeah. Ah. Oh, wow. Well, cool. So I want to dive into your music career. But before we do that, I, I got to, I don't know why this popped in my head, but um, one of the families that went to my church was um the obajis <laughs> yes and uh so ochai's dad um is is african and yeah. went on a ba basketball scholarship to the university of wisconsin and his mom is african-american who was a university of wisconsin on a volleyball scholarship oh. and i mean his dad is you know close to seven foot i don't know how tall he is six ten maybe and they started coming to the church and we're, you know, we, we were pretty much a white suburban church, but we had, we had Asians, Latinos and African-Americans, but just not in big numbers. Right. And so the family started coming, his, his older sister went on full scholarship to UT and she was one of our announcement gals at church. Uh -huh. And my dad and I would go to Ochai's basketball games. He was playing for Oak Park. He was all conference, you know, at, in high school at, in Kansas City. And my dad and I would sit with his whole family and his uncles and his aunts and his parents and, his, yeah. you know, all that stuff. And my dad's still alive. He's still 87. We still love basketball together. So, yeah. but yeah. So since you're a KU basketball fan, I, that's been the only. And KU football. KU football. Okay. 
Well, this year you had a little bit to cheer about. So, <laughs> but yeah, at any rate. Yeah. So I, I just made me think of that's the, the only KU basketball player that I've actually ever known in person. You know what I mean? Like, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I know, I know a few of them. Yeah. So let's talk about your musical career. Um, for folks who, uh, who haven't listened, I want to encourage you to go to qmusic.com, C U E E music.com. Yes. Uh, you can check out the website there. And then on all, all the music platforms, you've got a 2018 album that came out called Shameless, a 2021 album called Gospel, and then recently released a single On the Move. Yes in uh august of this year 2022 we're this will probably release in 2023 this interview but okay. we're talking here at the very end of 2022 so yeah so how so what kind of music were you drawn to young and then how you know what did you start you know how did your musical career start emerging and yeah it's uh, a great question uh Musical interests when I was young, uh, it's all over the place. I love gospel music, essentially. Uh, so I love gospel music. Who who are some of the gospel people you would, black gospel stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I, uh, obviously I'm a big Kirk Franklin fan. So okay. You no, know, Tamala man. Uh, okay. Like, yeah. Um. Have you ever heard of Travis Green or uh, there's some young black I like, I like guys. Fred. Fred Hammond. I like Fred uh, Hammond. Yeah. I like, um, I like Fred Hammond. Mm-hmm. I tribute. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just curious. And outside of that house music, I was really big into house music growing up. Okay. Chicago. It's kind of like techno-ish rap. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, um dj set type stuff um and then lyrically like i was listening to like a lot of like missy elliott Ludacris, ll cool j so could definitely tell my parents would had the radio at the time and so i um, was listening to a lot of that type of music when i started listening to music as a youngin i was like into like the big boy bands for sure uh growing up uh since like b2k and like bow wow and romeo and like all of them mm-hmm. i grew up listening to them uh really into hip-hop rap from a young age uh, i was writing poetry when i was young um when, when my mom met my stepfather he was a dj house dj in chicago so now, were you just doing of, that on your like writing poetry for school or just on your own or just both both huh. i used to i used to write poetry by myself i've my mom probably says totes but i used to find i still find composition books yeah uh, I look back at my spelling and I'm like, oh my gosh. But I, I was just going at it, you know, and I'm interesting. Like, um, my brother still remembers like one of the first little freestyle songs I was rapping when I was in like third grade. I used to rap it around the house all the time. And it was like everywhere I go, I'm the popular one. It was like to some Jay-Z song I did back in the day. And so mm. I was always writing. Um, and I've always used to see myself as an artist, as a musician when mm. I was young. Um, and it was nobody really in my immediate family that really were musicians, but I used to say it all the time. My mom hmm. used to be like, yeah, I'm going to be a rapper in this. So like, like your mom wasn't singing in the choir or doing any of that? 
Nothing. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Uh, my stepfather is a DJ. He was a DJ. Uh, okay. So that was kind of where I kind of saw that at, uh, like started getting experiences around that, but mm-hmm. that it was just, I always was like, I like words. I like music and I like to put them together. And so, um, I was a kid that was always in my room with the radio loud, but not really out talking to a lot of people in the house. So that was, that was how I grew up. It was like, oh, I'm going to be listening to some music, uh, making CDs, playlists, writing out all the lyrics. I used to write out lyrics to songs when the CDs used to come out so that I knew the lyrics. Mm. Um, like that. Uh, I used to get really into it. Um, I remember I used to try to like sound engineer with my karaoke machine and cassette tapes from Walgreens and like try to like record from the, I was doing a lot of like, yeah. I talk about, um, and so always, I was always fascinated with some kind of mu- music thing. I was like, I don't mm. know what I'm to do, but I want to be a musician. I want to be a part of it. I want to be in it. Um, mm-hmm. Always liked how music tells stories, you know, and how you can just, you can open up, you can talk about anything. It can be the truth. It can be a lie. It can be, it can be anything. You could just, you can express, you can express in music. And so I really appreciated that a lot. Um, and so grew up just doing that. And then, made it a full-time gig later on in life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When did you, when did you do your first like performance outside of church? Like when you were, you know, question. Uh, high school, high school, I did a talent show. I did a talent show. It was not performing in front of the church people. Um, it was performing in front of my school. And I did one of the remix songs I did to, at the time, I think it was Ludacris runaway love. And, uh, I don't remember the other song, but I remember that Runaway Love. It was it was a song. Oh, it was Eminem Not Afraid, too. That was the, it was two remixes, and I performed those at the talent show. Okay. That was my performance ever. Okay. And so did you, when did you start, like, doing regular gigs? Like, uh, or consistently? Second year of grad school was when I almost quit grad school. Uh, and I was like, um, I just want to be a musician. I think I did enough schooling. I'm not, you know, I think I took a, um, a music music business class at KU um, in my grad school years. They let me take it as an elective. And I'm like, let me see what this is about. And after taking that class, that's when I knew I should have been doing this a while ago. Hmm. Um, and I was like, yo, I, I really need to dive into it. It's a lot more to music than my creative parts that I'm putting in, you know, it's like 80% business. And I really want to learn this part. Um, I'm a, I'm a great student. And so let me see if I can figure this out. And so mm-hmm. it was the second year of grad school. All of my professors were like, "Cute, please just finish. Like you are almost there, like a couple more classes. And I'm like under these conditions because I've sold myself short this long. And so it was like, we all came together. Um, and there was a guy in my grad school program. He was a part of KU Dance Marathon. They host the biggest KU thing on, on campus. They were looking for entertainers at the time. Um, and my fee was pretty low at that moment, you know? And so they were like, hey, would you like to perform? And so that was my first performance that I had in years. I would say that would signify my actual first performance that started my career. And then um, were you doing your own stuff at that point? Yep. And or so that, remix and stuff. Um, nope. You're and so doing I your, had, okay. Yep. I had, uh, 
previous, that was in 2017. And so I had just released Shameless. Um, not in 2000, it was in 2018. So I had just released Shameless. Um, I was working on Shameless and I was getting ready to release it in that summer. That was the spring of, so mm-hmm. I still had everything. Um, and so I performed that stuff, that material um, there and a few remixes too at the time, but it was mainly the Shameless stuff like Blessed and um, a couple of those shook. Um, mm-hmm. those on the stage at the time um shook you and you were singing about the you're attracted to those curls curls yes <laughs> yes <laughs> it's so funny my partner now is a whole symbol of shook and so people are like you manifested her and i'm like <laughs> we never know but she definitely got tight curls and natural hair and i love it so <laughs> Very good. Well, I could kind of relate to that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a gal that I have been connected with in Ethiopia for quite a long while now. And uh, Hint, that's why you've been going to Ethiopia, huh? Yeah. Well, and I started going there for church, you know, work and all that kind of stuff. But, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so <laughs> we can hang out later i was like yeah yeah it's like oh i can relate to that <laughs> yeah who would have who would have thought right no. they're, they're a little different you, you know? do these music things and who knows who knows who connect, who connects that's the one thing i love about the music business so far is i've connected my path has taken me places that i've never thought i would go and be and so I've been enjoying it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So shameless. Um, so you were already, I mean, that whole album is obviously taking you in, in this direction of coming out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, that 2018 album, <laughs> when you were performing your 2018 album, what, how did, how were you, how were you, dressing live who i was just like because i, I what would what would I, i'm just curious like because i i'm trying to picture what your show you're singing about really transitioning <laughs> and so were you were, were you i was always masculine i think okay I okay mask presenting feet stuff yeah figure about me i was trying to figure uh-huh. out what I was to say um very mass presented i think i hid more of that in high school like that transitional part of like okay uh, my mom would leave for work and then i would change my clothes and then i would like go to school and what i wanted to wear and then mm-hmm. i'm hurry up and change before she came back and be like don't take pictures of me at school you know we mm-hmm. laugh about it now she's like why don't you have pictures in high school and be like well funny story let me tell you uh, mm-hmm. Um, processing that but when I was hitting the stages at the time what what I how do I say this what I didn't know bothered me until now but it didn't bother me much then was like you know my voice right so I look back at videos and I'm like oh shit like that's me like oh oh okay um or even just body right um I had top surgery this past year and like after having top surgery in June, I was like, these past six months have been the best six months 
of my life. I was on FaceTime with my mom the other day and she was like, I haven't seen you wear that shirt in a long time. And I was like, let me tell you, this shirt didn't fit right before mm-hmm. today. Okay. So it wasn't that I hated the shirt. It was just, I hated how the shirt fit. Mm-hmm. So I, that is what I look back on. So a lot of videos or like even music videos or anything in that sense. And I'm like, I wasn't really like in it as much as I want to be in it. That, as mm-hmm. I now. And like, I haven't even gotten that chance to really dive into it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, post-transition, post-surgery, because I've been healing. And so right. 2023 is going to be a big year. I'm excited. Your pictures look amazing. Thank um, you. I, I love yeah. my surgery so much. I yeah, yeah. Month <laughs> month. I'm like, yo, Carol, you did an amazing job. <laughs> well, the you know, some of the whoever did your photographs um, that you've put out there look really sharp. Thank you. I, have, yeah. uh, I signed with a management team about two months ago so which has been very great i've been knocking goals off my list i'm like uh i got a a faith over fear tattooed on my arm about two years ago and so that was a reminder to me to like lean into anything that was scary because there's always great things on the other side Mm -hmm. that was what i felt like quitting my job in higher ed and then management team and so you talk about the cool photos and i'm like yeah they kind of were like we're gonna get you some great photos now so uh, mm. I've been working with a cool photographer out of Kansas City. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, who's been helping me kind of like aesthetically bring my story to life on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So it's good for folks, you know? And so yeah. I, I'm appreciative of that. Yeah, yeah good, good. And then your your album, Gospel. Why did you pick the title Gospel? Now you and, know why I picked that title. Well, I just want to hear you say it. I don't know if I'm still, if I'm tracking with you. <laughs> uh, it was speaking my truth. It was coming out and it was playing on my past and who I am as a person. And I don't take that out. I take that away from me. Like ain't going back was a big symbol mm-hmm. that in the music video. And I was adamant about doing it in the church. I really wanted to do it in a Baptist church, but I didn't have access to those spaces um, and places. And I wanted to queer out that church in a sense. And so I had one of my, Good friends, Cody Charles, start off that music video um, with a nice little speech for us all to kind of take back and listen to an actual sermon, you know, as I would say, um, to kind of start off. Uh, and so gospel was me speaking my truth, me coming mm-hmm. out, out uh, and me being unapologetic about it. Gospel truth. Yes. The gospel truth. You know, um, it's interesting as I, 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 I've pastored lots of people through the years and uh, you know, when you get behind the scenes and people drop the masks and the facades and everything, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got some struggle. It's not, not, it's never been easy for anybody navigating our own, you know, our own sexuality is, it's such an interesting and sometimes complicated thing, you know, and relationships and, and all of that. Um, And I think I'm curious what you might think, because I know I, I've learned a lot from the LGBTQ community myself. Um, I'm curious though, what, what, what do you wish people could learn from your experience, like just straight white heterosexual Fred here. What, what could I learn from Q who's Ooh. 
gone through so much. And you know, I've you're, had you're, experiences you're, with you right now. So I'm, I'm say what I said. I've been having a good time with you right now. So usually I would have an answer right off rip, you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> hmm. Listen, I think. Listen, I think. I think a lot of folks come in with their opinions or, you know, like you said, come in with facades. We already have so many layers up that we realize that we don't have layers or you don't have layers. Right. And they may not look like the person who's trying to figure out their sexuality and their identity and and all of that. But uh, it doesn't make it any difference. And so I think just listening to folks and hearing them out. And like you said, once you learn who someone is outside of an identity, outside of who they want to sleep with, which that should be not it'd be anybody's business outside of the person they're sleeping with. People how I mean, none of my business, you know. Um, and so I think that's I think that's the takeaway. Um, and one of the things I'm learning as a person in the community who is still learning about folks in the community, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I he's in the community, and like uh, it's a learning experience for everybody. It's like. I think some folks think on the outside since they don't hold these identities that they don't have everything, they don't know everything. And that is very true. But everybody who hold our identities also don't have everything. And we also don't know everything. And we're all just trying to learn together. Um, and if we learn in love instead of anything else, you know, something else, I think mm-hmm. we'll all have experiences. Yeah. We're all humans, you know, trying to figure yeah. it out. It's so like for me, um, like how do you like this just I'm pose this question and I'll I'll lean into it a little bit, but how do you be true to yourself? And like, for me, I, you know, I felt called to be a pastor when I was like 16 or 17 and I followed that, did it felt like I was always living out what, like, like this idea of what God had called me to be. And then when I, when I went to rehab, I, and all of that went down, I, I lost my, community that I built. I lost my career. I lost, uh, you know, my marriage. I lost, you know, I lost, 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 like a lot of the pillars that I had spent decade, 40 decades, you know, 40, 40 years, four decades in this identity, mm-hmm. you know, pastor Fred, you know, identity. And then it all is just gone. <laughs> and then I'm like, who the F am I? You know, <laughs> And, and I really questioned and doubted and, and, and had lots of disbelief about everything I'd ever believed. And, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm well studied. I've got, I've got, a, you know, bachelor's in religion, a master's of divinity. I've got a doctor of ministry. I was working on a PhD in the Hebrew Bible. I mean, I've, I've been a Bible teacher my whole life. And then all of a sudden I'm going, I don't even, you know, I question everything rethought everything. You know, I got into meditation, got into meditation group. I got into, you know, started trying to learn things that, you know, that would help me heal, Mm. you know, got into therapy. I got into recovery. I got into meditation, just, just things that helped me heal. And then almost like reprocess this, this, who is this creature, Fred, that I don't even know. I know, I don't even know if I know myself anymore, you know? And I'm like, I'm 60, dude, I'm 61. you know. <laughs> and so like, 
it's been such a crazy journey for me yeah. uh, to have to, to dig deep and like, okay, well, who, where, who am, where am, what's my, where am I? Where yeah. do I what do I need? Uh, I yeah. 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 Sitting with yourself is some, is I say all the time is one person I really didn't like sitting with for a long time. And that is when you don't like that, you know, if you can't sit with yourself and like think through stuff, that's deep. You know, yeah. Did you ever go through a time when you were trying to fight who you, your own identity in this area? You didn't ever feel like you were hating yourself at any point? Internally. uh, A part of me, I'm so rebellious in the fact, like I've always kind of just been so like, well, fine. You know, like I've always been like, well, then, Bye, you know. <laughs> like <F-E. laughs> <laughs> See so, you later. Yeah, so it's really hard when folks do that. And my mom was like, that's also how I knew not to keep testing you because you didn't budge, you didn't move, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also very hard. So I, there was times where I was just like, I used to say to my mom all the time, do you think I would choose this path to fight with you or to fight with anybody in this world? Like, that's stupid. Why would I want to fight? Like, Mm-hmm. But I also don't want to not be myself. So mm-hmm. we got to find a, a middle ground. And I think the middle ground is not fighting mm-hmm. over what I want to be. I'm not arguing with you over who you want to be. You yeah. know? It was always that kind of feeling, but nothing. Yeah. Deep. But then, you know, like when you're performing, like Calvin Arsenia talks about this, like there's a part of you, what you're presenting yourself. You're putting yourself out there in a performance, right? You're kind of hoping people like it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm you know, I don't but there's that there's that sense of will they accept me? Will they reject me? You know uh, what I'm saying? And and so it's not just for not just for this time of transition, but even for you musically. And I was gonna say, I think even on not even on stage, but as a trans artist in the hip hop world, is something I've been like kind of stomaching and like I don't know if I'm actually gonna make it in Mm -hmm. the hip-hop world uh, because of society. But what does making it look like for some folks? I don't know. You know, Mm -hmm. I've changed that definition for myself so many times this year of what that actually looks like. Um, But I do get nervous. I'm like, uh, are these people, do these people want me on the only podcast or radio series or this? Because now I'm going to get, like, victimized. You know, or is it going to be a bad experience or... Um, or am I only getting invited on a show or that's a big thing too. When I went on tour, it was like spaces, you know, and it's always that big thing with the bathrooms and trans folks in bathrooms. And so now I'm like, <laughs> oh, shh, you know, like so out, um, so open. People know I'm trans. They see me in the back. How would they feel? You know? And so I think about that stuff. It's like, um, it's not like I'm, stealth what they call some trans folks who you don't know I, I tell people all the time you shared a bathroom with a trans person and you don't even know it don't argue me up and down like i i i bet you your whole entire life paycheck in this lifetime you shared bathrooms with trans folks and not even have known it and so like that was like you know my argument now and i'm just like mm. that's one of the biggest fears so small but music venues you know i'm like out in this world existing um, as a black trans man is scary. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And then, yeah. And in, in the black hip hop community, 
there's not like, yeah, it's you're, you're still kind of on a pioneering edge there, right? Triple edge now. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh man, it's not only a black man musician that people point fingers at. Now uh-huh. I got a target where half the black community point fingers at too. And so mm. it's just like, it's a, it's an experience to navigate. And I've also found a whole bunch of community ever since coming out and being authentic. And mm-hmm. so I am in connecting with folks who may not share many identities that look like myself, like you. Right. Um, but mm. they connect off my music and stuff that's inside of theirs. Yeah. Beauty of it. Yeah. I had a lady, uh, recently, I, I, I released a podcast a few weeks ago with the with a guy who was a conservative fundamental conservative fundamental Baptist white guy, uh, tried to pray the gay way since he was a little kid, you know, since he could remember his sexual, you know, having sexual feelings and kept thinking, Oh, I'll go to college and it'll go away or I'll get married and I'll have kids. It'll go away. Or he became a, a conservative fundamental Baptist pastor and, and he just tried to pray it away his whole life and it just never worked. He even went to this thing called Exodus International, which is kind of like a Christian conversion therapy thing. And there's a, there's a documentary out called pray away that captured uh, what the world that he was in and it just never, ever worked. Right. And so he, he finally came out. He's with a, he's married now with his husband, but he wrote a book called uh, godly, but happy now. Yeah. Godly, but gay. And, um, it was so fascinating. So a lady in my church back in 2014 had a daughter that wanted to transition. Mm-hmm. And it, because we hadn't been front and center about kind of the support, I was, I was supported behind the scenes, but not front and center. Right. She didn't think I would support her. She ended up leaving the church because she supported her, her now, her, her son now who's 25 now. And, um, we've since reconnected because she's been following me and listening to some of the stuff I've been doing. And she said that when she tried to find support as a parent in 2014, there were only, she could only network. She found on Facebook, like in Canada and America, only about 200 parents who were from these conservative environments who didn't know what to do with their kids who were LGBTQ. These were like parents. Love them. Right. (laughs) Imagine Uh, imagine that. Right. But I mean, you know, these these are people who were really wrestling with their belief systems and how they'd been raised and all that. And so, but today she told me today, it's just a conversation we had a few weeks ago that there are now over 8,000 women networked in America and Canada. And And I'm, I could put together a group of 12 parents, you know, 12 different families right now who all have young kids going through this or, or young, you know, either young kids or young teenagers or young adults. And, uh, and so there is, there is a a growing support, but there's still a lot of resistance in, in some of your more conservative churches, you know, your, um, and so, uh, so it's, it's challenging, I think, from, from, uh, from some people who, who have grown up in a very strict, you know, this is sin and, you know, uh, those, those kind of things. And then how they wrestle with that, you know, as parents, some of the parents that are out there. 
like like your mom did on the early stages, you know, sounds like she's supported you. Sound like your brother supports you now. When I came out as trans, my mom was just like, now that makes sense. You know, <laughs> support from there just was skyrocketed. Uh-huh. I remember I called her and let her know I got approved for top surgery. And she was like, I'm not going to miss it. And she came up and was there. Uh, and when I went in surgery, I was so nervous. Uh, like the only second surgery I ever had in my life. So I was like, oh, whew. you know, it was big for me. Um, and so, yeah, I've been very supportive. She also told me when I first came out, she joined groups. She found groups. I don't know if they were as such. Mm-hmm. Like on Facebook of like parents of trans kids and like figuring it out. Um, right. But I have learned as an advocate now and somebody uh, who goes and like do a lot of talks, especially with uh, folks and working with nonprofits that not only are we transitioning, our folks are, um, our parents are transitioning as well. Right. Our families mm-hmm. are with us. And so yeah. um, it's a learning curve for everyone. And I don't, I myself, I will speak for myself. I wasn't as empathetic. Um, to my parents transitioning process, you know, because I wanted them to get it right away. So upset um, because I felt like I went through so much, you know, Um, but it's all a process for everybody. And so Mm -hmm. I think if everybody meets people where they are and kind of just work engaged from there, we can, we can. Yeah. Well, I like what you said. Listen, when I asked you that question, listen, listen. And I do think that's, there's an art to listening and hearing people deeply and finding the uh, the true dignity and beauty in every person. Mm-hmm. Um, if we listen long enough, you find it, you hear it, you know. You the answers are yeah. always out. Yeah. We just sometimes are doing too much, talking too much, being too much, and not listening, you know. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for doing this. I told you I'd, I'd honor your time here, and we're, we're, we're out of time. But tell, tell people if, if they want to check your music out, and do you have a – are you doing some touring in 2023? Will you be back in Kansas City anytime? What's going uh, on? Yeah. Give, actually, us, give us a quick rundown on all that. Yes. Um, new music dropping uh, actually January 3rd, so next week. Um, right in the new year, I have a new single drop in um, and a project to follow. So you should follow me. Um, it's going to be a nice, beautiful year with Q. Um, I will be in Kansas City in February for a little bit, getting some work done. And so I would love to say hello to folks. May have a pop up show somewhere. So I'll let y'all know um, if that comes about. Um, I will be doing a lot of traveling next year and I'll keep y'all in tech in touch, not tech in touch, <laughs> in touch with what's happening. Uh, follow me on social platforms at Q Music, um, C U E E Music. That's everywhere. Anywhere you want to find me, find me. Just don't fight me. Anywhere you want to find me, just C U E E Music. Yes. On Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of that is C U E E Music dot com. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's stay connected and follow me on this journey. It's, yeah, yeah. When you're back in Kansas City, shoot us. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd love to see you. Yeah. Let's well, thank it. you for joining us. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Spirituality Adventures. We're so glad you did. We'll see you next time. Thank you for having me. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using. And then go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, and make a one-time donation. Or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special 
bonus content. Thanks so much.